0: The second lesson is written in the first chapter of 1 Corinthians, beginning at the 20th verse. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world did not know God through wisdom... For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Milo, we're waiting for the image. There we go. That was worth waiting for, right? When I was a girl, these two Clay Nation characters were a beloved part of my life. I was always happy when I found this show on one of the three channels we received on our TV. If you are of a certain age, you too probably remember them. And their names, who are they? Davy and his dog, Goliath. Goliath spoke always in a baritone drawl. Uh, They were a delight. And everyone who watched the show understood the reference in their names. That big brown dog was named after the giant Goliath in the Bible story, the one whom a youthful David slew with his trusty sling. Ah, those were the days. If we go back to the mid-20th century, the story of David and Goliath was familiar to all. Whether someone was a regular churchgoer or not, they knew the story But by the 21st century, when I would show my art history college students the Michelangelo sculpture of David, his sling draped over his shoulder, pondering the battle ahead, I had to tell the story behind the image. Biblical literacy has fallen to an awesome low. I would certainly need to explain this image to anyone today who was not biblically literate. Here we see three figures with pointy red lines around their feet. Do you know what Bible story this is? I hope so because it is an illustration of the story from the book of Daniel that was just introduced in the first reading. Here we see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace of Nebuchadnezzar. Early Christians painted this image on a wall in the Roman catacombs in an era when Christianity was a faith punishable by death. Imagine them deep underground creating this image in the flickering light of a clay lamp. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego live in Babylon under the rule of Nebuchadnezzar in the 6th century B.C. Like other absolute rulers through history, King Nebuchadnezzar is a megalomaniacal peacock. So he orders the construction of a 90-foot tall idol, probably an image of himself as a god, because ancient potentates did that kind of thing. They were themselves worshipped as gods. Now this idol is not only remarked upon in the Bible, but it's also documented in the surviving records of the Babylonians themselves. In those writings, it's clear that the statue is a portrait of Nebuchadnezzar. And if 90 feet Sounds too big to you Well sculptures on that scale And larger Are well documented In the ancient world You can google the Colossus Of Rhodes for more information And an example So Nebuchadnezzar's gilded statue Is set up And the order has gone out To all Bow down before it Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego refused to bow down to the image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up on the plain. It might have been interesting to listen in on their conversation as they discuss what to do about the king's order to bow down in view of the fact they'll receive a death sentence if they refuse to obey it. Scripture records that the three decide to obey God rather than human powers. Soon after they make their decision, the instruments begin to play and the people of Babylon bow down like a field of grain mowed at harvest time. The three Jews stand tall, refusing to bow down before the 90-foot tall golden image of Nebuchadnezzar. Knowing they are doomed They worship God alone. Although this story happens six centuries before the birth of Christ, the early Christians who painted the image in the catacombs we saw just a minute ago can relate to the position in which the Jews find themselves in ancient Babylon because for the first three centuries, Christianity is illegal, punishable by death. Christians are a minority group back in this era. The Roman populace knows little about Christianity. For the Romans, Christianity is a weird cult with strange and unpopular ideas that run counter to the community at large. What Christians teach is foolishness to the society of that day. Today, Christianity is again considered Foolishness in the popular secular culture. Americans today live in a society which is more similar to the first centuries of faith than to the way things were just 50 years ago in the U.S., when everyone understood the reference to a boy named Davy having a big dog named Goliath. Today, the typical person on the street is as illiterate on scripture and Christianity as were the pagans of ancient Rome. And what average Americans think they know about Christianity is probably wrong, gleaned from the anti-Christian theme in our popular culture, which teaches that all paths are equal, all religions are about honoring the same God, and anyone believing differently is to be rejected. As Christians worship only the one triune God, they were rejected by ancient Roman society, and the same is true in 21st century America. Speaking the word of Christian faith today is to go against everything in our modern American culture. The dominant culture insists that Whatever religion you choose is unimportant because they think it's all really the same thing. Many folks see no need for faith in their day-to-day lives, and they go on without God, even though he seems kind of nice every now and then, like for weddings and funerals. If you were born before 1960, You probably have a sense of this change in our culture. Understanding this informs how we live in mission for Christ. As we reach out to those who have not yet come to faith, we must know where they're coming from and what they know and don't know. Give them a chance to learn the basics. Here are some basics that will be news to many (coughs) non-Christians. True Christians do not think they are better than everyone else. This will be a surprise to many unbelievers. Popular media has been inundating them with the idea that we are arrogant, (coughs) uppity, hypocrites who do think we're better than the rest of humanity. In truth, we acknowledge that faith and everything else we have is by the grace of God. We do nothing to earn our faith. We do nothing to earn eternity in heaven with him. Because we believe in the one true God, we come confessing that we are weak and broken, totally dependent on the salvation we receive by faith in Christ. Here's another foundational truth that will be news to unbelievers. The Christian writings of the New Testament were written down in the lifetimes of those who knew knew Christ. The scriptures are the faithful record of what Jesus taught. They are not legends that grew up over the centuries. This is one of the misconceptions that's deep-seated in our society. To the Christian believer, these truths may seem very basic, but to those who've grown up in the current popular culture, this goes against everything they think they know. They fear they have to become rigid rule mongers to embrace Christianity. That's what they think of us, that we are uptight, judgmental twits. Now, the fact is, Sometimes we are judgmental twits. I say we, including myself and the group. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever fussed about something here at Faith that you felt just wasn't right? I know some folks complain about facial hair on the pastors. I realized that in 1960, most pastors didn't have facial hair. They were clean shaven. But does that really mean it's a problem? Throughout history, most pastors were bearded. And think about this at the Last Supper, do you suppose anyone had facial hair? Now, having said that, I must add there are exceptions to this lesson. If some Sunday you come into church and notice that I have a problem with facial hair, (laughs) perhaps it's worth a comment. Back to my point. Unbelievers are afraid of becoming people obsessed with issues of style rather than substance. If they catch a whiff of shallow, narrow-mindedness in the group, they may reject the message of Christ. Unbelievers are living wholeheartedly in this modern media culture. Many Christians despair of bringing large portions of our depraved culture to Christ. The odds seem overwhelming. We fear that Christian faith in America is being drowned in the vast cesspool of contemporary life. However, the lesson of scripture teaches us not to fear. Is the challenge today really greater than what Paul faced with the early Christians? Of course not. He was not ashamed of the cross, but shared its message, we need to do the same. I know it's often hard to share that message today. When you talk with the folks next door about Jesus, they may tell the neighborhood that you are a Christian weirdo. If something in your cubicle at work says you're a Christian, you may face problems on the job. Do you wear a necklace with a cross on it? If so, that's good. It's a witness to your faith and an invitation to a conversation about Christ. However, you may be aggressively challenged on your faith because of that necklace, too. There was a long period when Christianity held sway in America. But that time has passed for now. Understanding this helps us know how to reach out to others with the word of Christ. We must meet those who do not yet believe where they are, not where we expect them to be. The pressures we will face in carrying the word into today's society will be daunting. But look around. Many are here with you today. (laughs) You are not alone. Having the support of faithful friends is essential. Remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. When faced with the choice to bow down to the dominant culture or to stand in faithfulness, they stood together. If they'd been like many believers today, they might have thought about going through the motions of bowing down. They might have hidden their belief in God. They could have rationalized that God would know they really worshipped only him, not some stupid statue. We have that temptation to compromise and conveniently hide our faith, too, Peer pressure generally considered to be negative, but it has a positive side. In the case of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the peer support among them helped each to stand firm, even when their lives were on the line. Please note in this image of the fiery furnace, the three of them do not stand there by themselves. The presence of the Lord is with them. Whether at work or in your neighborhood, do not be afraid to share your faith. Rely on the support and guidance of the Almighty and his word. Stand with your fellow Christians. When you see Christianity discussed negatively in the workplace, speak up truth for ignorance. Don't be afraid to let it be known that you belong to Jesus. May the peace of God which passes all understanding guide your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.